Amen. Thank you, Brother Steve. You'll be seated this morning, and we're glad that you're here. And uh, if you have your Bibles, you'll turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We were looking through uh, 1 Corinthians, and the, the theme of uh, the book of 1 Corinthians is Christian living. And we've been talking about how uh, some various ways about how uh, our faith and trust in Jesus works itself out. Um, and so we're going to continue that, uh, and this morning I'll talk to you about serving Jesus every day, that Jesus expects us to serve him and to be, he expects to be the Lord of our life every day. And the reality is that if the Lord is not the Lord of your life every day, he's not the Lord of your life any day. Um, and so, you know, lordship, salvation is a 24-7 proposition. You can't be a part-time Christian. Uh, though a lot of us want to act and behave like it, it can't work out that way. Uh, the Bible says that we have to serve Jesus every day uh, with our whole heart. And so Paul writes to this Corinthian church uh, that he loves to remind them of that important truth. And this morning we're going to begin looking in verse 19 of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. It says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became a Jew, that I might win Jews. And to those who are under the law as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without the law as without the law, not being without the law toward God, but under the law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without the law. To the weak I became weak, uh, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be a partaker of it with you. Do you not know that those who run a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. As everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others I myself shall become disqualified. And uh, so... The Apostle Paul wants us to understand that how we live our life matters. It's one thing to say that, yes, we follow Jesus and we're a believer in Jesus. Um, there are lots of people that say that, but saying it is not what makes you a believer and a follower of Jesus. What makes you a follower of Jesus is putting your faith and trust in Jesus' atoning work on the cross of Calvary. Jesus is the only way to salvation. And yes, that's exclusive, uh, but that's the way it is. That's the truth. Uh, the only way to heaven. And, you know, that's why a lot of people object to Christianity. They think we're bigoted and, you know, we're narrow-minded. And, um, you know, God is not bigoted and God is not narrow-minded. But God is certain that things are the way they are. Uh, and we're called to be as narrow as God's word is. And we're going to stand on the truth of God's word even when it's politically incorrect. But here's the thing. Paul says, listen, it's not uh, 
a matter of you arguing with folks, and it's not a matter of you being right all the time. Uh, we all probably have some people, hopefully you're not one of these, that will argue with the tree. Uh, you know, they thought they'd win. Uh, you know, they just are argumentative, and they've got to have the last word. And Paul says that's not the attitude of serving Jesus. He said we are all called to serve Jesus came as Lord and Savior, but he came and he served others. You think about in John chapter 13, Jesus, you know, remember after the Passover meal, he got up and took off his uh, robe and got a bucket of water uh, and a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet. So Jesus certainly did not think service was a bad thing. In fact, he said serving is a great thing. He said serving is a testimony and evidence of a change that's taken place in your life. And so, you know, we have to have an attitude of helping and being there for others and realizing that it's not about us. We've talked a little bit about that already a few times as we've looked through various chapters of this letter. Paul wants us to know it's not about us. It's about God. And it's about people coming to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That doesn't mean that we're not important, because you are very important. God loves you so much that he came and died for you, that he gave his life for your life. That's how precious God thinks you are. And so it's not that God doesn't think you're valuable or important. But it's that God doesn't have the same scale of value and importance as the world has. The world says you're important if you have a lot of money or you have a lot of stuff or you have a powerful, a powerful title. God says, I don't care about your money and I don't care about your stuff and I don't care about what your title is. What I care about is your heart and if I'm the Lord of it or not. And so Paul, began, throughout this whole chapter, and he begins in the first 18 verses, talks about himself and how he has, uh, not lifting himself up, but trying to get people to understand, he was an example of what he's trying to talk about here in these verses that we read uh, in verses 19 uh, through 27, that it's not about who you are. And it's not about your rights, and it's not about... What you want, it's about Jesus and making his name great. Because when Jesus' name is great, you are lifted up. And that's paradoxical, that's opposite, doesn't make sense to, the, to this world. But that's the way God operates. And most of the things that God does doesn't make a lot of sense to this world. Uh, and that's as it should be. If it made sense, it wouldn't be from God. Um, and so there's a few things I want to see as we look about this and think about how do we serve Jesus every day. And the first thing I want to see is that we have to have an attitude of service. Your attitude makes a difference. If you're serving somebody and you don't really want to do it, it's quite evident that you don't want to do it, and, you know, but you're doing it out of grudgery. And that person that you're serving knows that. But if you're doing it because you love them or just simply because you want to, people notice that too. There are 
certain people that work in service industries, whether it's in department stores or restaurants or fast food, there are some that love that environment. And hey, they're made for it. And that's their niche and that's where they fit. There are also people working in that industry that have no business working in that industry because that is not their niche. And it is very, very evident that that is not their niche. They're doing it just because they need a paycheck and they happen to be able to... And those folks, when they're there in those places, tend not to last very long. Um, It takes an, uh, an attitude of service. Well, what is that service? Again, it's not that we are a doormat or we see ourselves as not important. But an attitude of service is, you know what? God loves me so much that he left his throne in glory. And so he's called me to leave my comfort zone and my desires and my rights and help others. It does not come naturally. In fact, what comes naturally is, hey, I want my rights. I want my way. May I tell you something? Your way is not always the best way. But God's way is always the best way. And so Paul says, hey, you need to have this attitude of service, that you need to see yourself and understand that God has called you to make a difference in this world. And whether it's through your job or through your friendships or through the entertainment things that, that you do, God expects you to be a witness for him. God expects you to be his and be a light when you're grocery shopping at Kroger or when you're on the beach or when you're in the mountains, when you're at the football game. Wherever we are and whatever we're doing, God expects us to honor him. And Paul says, you know what, I am free from all men. And what he's saying when he says that is, you know what, nobody is making me do this. Paul, in those first 18 verses, talks about how God has given the church men that that help feed the the flock and how the flock needs to, talking about the church, needs to take care of of those uh, men that God has sent them uh, and equipped them. But they don't do it for money, and they don't do it for financial gain. They do it because that's what God has called them to do. And so Paul's making the point that when you have this attitude of service, it means that you'll do whatever the Lord asks you to do, even if it's not convenient, even if it's difficult, and especially even if you don't want to do it. I think, you know, we... um, made a comment the other week uh, during Seth's ordination service. You know, preachers, uh, not very many, if any of them, run toward the call initially. Most all of them say, Lord, you're crazy. I ain't doing that. Uh, you've got the wrong guy. Uh, wrong number, Lord. And hope eventually, if they want to be happy, they surrender because you'll never be happy in life until you're doing and where, until you're where you, God wants you to be. If you're working against God, and God will let you work against him all day long, but you will be miserable. You will not be happy until you surrender to the Lord and do what he wants you to do. Because he created you and he knows what's best for you. 
And so Paul says, listen, nobody is making me, no, I am free of all men. In other words, nobody is making me do this. He said, I've come, I've planted the church, and Paul was the church planner at Corinth. So the people that were there, most of them knew him and knew him very well. And they loved him, and, and they did take care of him. Uh, there, even though he was a, a tent maker as well, he was bivocational in, as a church planner uh, in the places where he went. Um, and he says, you know what, I've, I've not done it, and you shouldn't do it. In other words, the preacher shouldn't have to guilt you into doing something that God says you ought to do. Whether it's scrubbing toilets or vacuum or teaching children's church, if God has called you and asked you to do something, then you do it. Even if it's going to that person across the street that's different than you, maybe their color of their skin is different than you, or they speak a different language, or they're a different political persuasion, or they you know, drive a Volkswagen or something, and you drive a, you know, whatever it might be, people that you maybe aren't comfortable with, and God says, you know what, I want you to go and share the gospel with them. You better do it. He's not saying, well, oh, I didn't realize you didn't want to do that. Well, let me go find somebody else. Not going to do this. Oh, it's not convenient for you? Okay. It was convenient when I came to earth and when I went to the cross. That was convenient for me. But if it's not convenient for you, you... No, he's not going to say that. When God asks us to do anything, the Holy Spirit prompts us, the attitude, when we have the attitude of service and we're living for Jesus, we do it. There have been a lot of time. I'll give you, I was in a nursing home one day. Um, I was visiting a member of our church uh, who was in this nursing home uh, in Columbus, and uh, it was actually the hospice house. And you know, because I was there at that family and visited with them, spent a little bit of time. We had prayer, and I was leaving. As I passed this door, the Holy Spirit said to me, not audibly, but I, I knew what I was supposed to do. I said, you know what? It's past supper time. Leslie's already cooked supper. i got to go. And so I kept going. And I got to the end of that hallway. And the Holy Spirit, just, it was like he took my little ear and said, I told you to go in that room. I said, all right, Lord. I turned around and I went into that room and I knocked. And uh, you know, I, told, I didn't have any idea who the lady was. She didn't know who I was. Uh, and I just said, excuse me. Uh, my name's Aaron, and I'm a, a pastor of one of the churches here in town and was here visiting. And, you know, I just felt led to come and, and visit with you. Um, and the fellow that was there happened to be a pastor, and this was a pastor's wife sitting here. And she said, you know, so he was saved and, and knew it, but she needed just somebody. It, it was just the two of them. They hadn't had any visitors. And so she just needed you know, some comfort, and so I prayed with her and gave her a hug, and, you know, off we, then I went off and ate supper. Um, you know, sometimes the Lord will ask you to do things that aren't big, at least to you, but they'll have a big impact when you obey. I think about uh, the ladies and guys that taught uh, children Sunday school, and I know all of you have that have had children, you know how children are. Um, but can I tell you that, so you know kids are not easy to teach, especially your kids. 
but there are men and women who faithfully came to Sunday school and taught lessons. And they probably thought, you know what, these kids, they, you know, they're not even paying attention. They don't get it. And yet they teach and they invest in those kids' lives. And eventually, you know what takes place? Maybe one of them eventually says, you know what, I want to ask Jesus Christ into my heart. And it doesn't happen just like that. You know, once you just don't wake up and say, it happens by being presented the gospel and Jesus working on your heart over and over and over again. But thankfully, we have all parts to play. And yet, we want the, the big parts. You know, every movie star wants their name to be on the poster. And yet, every member of a team is important as any other. And it takes an entire team to work together to win. And so Paul says, you need to have an attitude of service. You say, you know what? I'm not so important that God can't use me with anything. If God asks you to do it, if you have an attitude of service, you'll do it. And some days it may be small. It may be just simply giving somebody a hug. It may be simply calling people up and saying, hey, listen, I just had you on my mind today. And a lot of times that's God putting them on your mind because you need to call them and talk to them because they need you. Or it might be you need to talk to hear from them. It may just be, you know, I've had Lord prompt me uh, to pray for various people. And so wherever we are, it may not be a permanent thing of, you know what, God's going to call me to be a missionary to Africa or to Japan or, you know, some. It may just be, you know what, God has something for me to do today. And here's what it is. And God will give us an opportunity. And so we need to have an attitude of service. But then secondly, we also need to understand that not only does our attitude matter, but Paul says the action of service matters. So he says, listen, service isn't just about saying, all right, yes, I'm going to be a servant. To all, you know, let me have a servant's heart. Um, it's good to pray and ask God to give you a servant's heart and to know that you have one. But having a servant's heart isn't really a servant's heart unless it's serving. You've got to go and you've got to do something. Oh, the Christian life would be easy if all we had to do was sign up and then sit on, like lumps on a stool. But that's not how it works. God calls us to serve Him and to serve others. And so Paul says, listen, I don't uh, beat at the air. I don't just, you know sit on my dove, he says, I discipline myself so that I can do what I need to do. So he uses a lot of action, and there's a lot of energy here in these verses. He says, you know what, everyone that win, runs a race, runs. But guess what? And this was in the days before participation ribbons. Uh, he said, listen, there's only one winner of a race. Only one person gets first place. And so he says, you run in such a way to get first place. Now, you may not always get first place, but you better do your very best, you know, work and do so that you might win first place. 
But first place doesn't just happen. Uh, this past week, I watched a movie called Tyson's Run, and if you've not seen it and are looking for a good movie, I think it's on Netflix, you find it on Amazon, and uh, it's about an autistic boy uh, whose dad is a uh, football coach of a high school, uh, and he decides he's going to run a marathon. Well, marathon is a, that's a big undertaking, and it doesn't just happen overnight. And part of that movie is about the struggles that he went through training to get ready for that. Uh, I'm not going to spoil the ending for you, but it, it ends like you, a good movie you want it to end. Um, but that's all I'll say about that. But it's an excellent movie. Uh, but he had to run and practice. And, you know, before that, the day of that marathon came, he was running every single day. And here's the thing, if we're going to be serving God and, and we want to, then we have to be doing. And we have to be preparing and we have to, you know, if, uh, you know, we say, well, I'm going to feed the hungry. Well, that's a good thing to do and I think that's one thing God occasionally asks us to do and gives us opportunity to do that. But guess what, if you're going to feed the hungry, there's some stuff you've got to have ready. You can't just show up and say, well, here I am, Lord, I'm going to feed the hungry today. No. You've got to have some food. And you've got to have, you know, you make sandwiches and shit, you've got to have some baggies and you've got to, you know, make the sandwiches and put them in their little baggies and, you know, put the chips in a brown, you know, to go and, and pass them out. You've got to assemble it. You gather stuff, you make it, and then give it out. And all of that is important. What I want us to understand, what Paul's trying to get us to understand, is that there is no small job in the kingdom of God. And there's no small act of service in the kingdom of God. But small acts of service make an eternal big impact. We may never get to see it this side of glory. Sometimes we do, and it's wonderful when we do. But sometimes we don't. But that doesn't mean that it wasn't important because God saw it. And it made a, a big impact. And so service is doing. It's leaving our comfort zone just like Jesus left heaven. And it's doing what God has called us to do and given us to do. You say, well, I'm not called to be a missionary or pastor or an evangelist preacher. But here's the thing, you are called to be an ambassador. Every child of God is called to be an ambassador for the Lord. Every one of you, every child of God, every Christian everywhere is called to serve Christ and His church and this world. Everybody! we miss out on so many blessings because we're just not willing to run the race. So I can tell you one thing, if you don't show up for a race, you're definitely not going to win it. If I show up for a race, I'm probably not going to win it. But I have a chance because I've showed up. But how many people 
are going to miss out. How many times have we missed out because God has asked us to do something and we say, God, I can't do that. I tell you, God is going to accomplish His will with or without you. And while God is accomplishing it with someone else, you are going to be miserable. And you're going to miss out on God's blessings and what God has planned for your life because you've not been willing to be a part. And so if we're going to serve Jesus, it means we're going to have to do some stuff. And I tell you that God expects His people to be serving Him. And can I tell you, every one of us ought to have something we do, um, a ministry of some kind, some act of service we do in church. There's something, if you say, you know, I really don't do anything in church, then you come and you talk with me and we'll find you something to do because you have some abilities and some gifts. There's something you can do. But I tell you that God doesn't just expect you to be serving here at church. If the only time you serve the Lord is on Sunday, you're in trouble. Because remember, you're not the Lord's just on Sunday. You're also the Lord on Tuesdays and Fridays, Saturdays. But here's the thing, uh, and this wasn't even part of my sermon. I'm just, it's a rabbit that I'm chasing, and hopefully I'm going to catch it in just a minute. So we're to serve inside the church, but I tell you that God also expects you to be serving Him outside the church. It's okay for you to serve Jesus outside of the four walls of this church. The other day, Leslie and I were at Sam's uh, picking up some stuff that we're going to carry to camp, and uh, as we were walking in, I didn't even notice the lady. Leslie noticed a lady, probably Miss Barbara's age, um, had, you know, the, the packages of water at Sam's, they're not little. I don't know how the lady got it in her cart, but she stood there looking. And she was wondering, all right, how am I going to get this 40, you know, bottled water pack that I got out of this buggy and into the trunk of my car? But Leslie asked her, I, again, I didn't even see her. I went past, I was thinking about getting in the thing and, you know, going through my head of the you know, different things that we needed to get. And Leslie said, do you need some help with that? I said, oh, darling, thank you so much. And so Leslie, you know, hooked it up and put it in her trunk for her. All Jesus needs us to do is to be available. And we'll say, God, here I am. You use me. And when we're willing to have that attitude of service to Jesus, God will give us opportunities to serve him every day. So back to our regular scheduled program in the sermon. So if we're going to serve, it means we've got to, there's some action. There's some effort. There's some energy that's expended. But then lastly, I want us to see this morning that there is an ability of service. I tell you that a testimony is the hardest thing to build and the easiest thing to lose. Your testimony for the Lord and what God has done in your life, it, it's difficult. It takes work. 
But I tell you that it can be lost in a moment. Not even in a life of bad choices, but one single bad choice can destroy your testimony. And so Paul says, you know what? I serve and I practice and I have these things that I do as a child of God so that I may be a servant because I don't want... To become disqualified. I discipline my body. I bring it into subjection. Lest when I've told others that they need to do this. I'm found not to do it. And listen preachers and teachers. We need to be very careful. And you know what? I'm never going to ask anybody in this church to do something I'm not willing to do. And teachers and deacons and other leaders, don't ask anybody to do something you're not willing to do yourself. Because if you ask others to do what you're not willing to do, what does that make you? It makes you a hypocrite. It makes you, the word that Paul uses here in the Greek uh, has the idea of being reprobate. In other words, being lost. He said, I don't want to appear to be an unsaved person. And so I'm going to work and I'm going to bring my body into subjection so that nobody can say, hey, listen, you, you're talking the talk, but you're not walking the walk. God expects us to do what we say. And to be an example. And that goes for all of us. Parents, you better not tell your children not to do something that you do. Because when you do that, it sends them, hey, it doesn't, this, whatever it is, mom says I'm not supposed to do it. But she does it, so it must be okay. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. And don't tell them something is important if it's not important. There are a lot of parents in this world that tell their children that church and God are important. But through their lives, they're saying church and God are not all that important when it comes down to things. So don't expect when they see that you don't take God seriously that they're not going to either. Because that happens a lot. If you want your children and you want your grandchildren to take God seriously, then you make sure you show them how. Because if you're not showing them how, this world will show them how not to. And so Paul says in conclusion, he said, you know what, I have tried to make sure, I've set this example of self-denial and of service. And I'm trying to live it as best I can with the Lord's help. And when we serve Jesus every day, it doesn't mean that we are doing it for glory. Paul was arrested. He was beaten. He, you know, it was not an easy life for Paul to follow Jesus, and yet he did. He became the first and, and perhaps one of the greatest church planners the world has ever seen. Was it easy? Absolutely it wasn't. But Paul said, hey, listen, God, here I am. Uh, you know, Paul had always had a fervor for the Lord. He was a Jew, and he was being a Jew of Jews. He was being the best Jew he could possibly be. And he was doing what he thought was right and fervently going after it. 
And God got a hold of his heart and blinded him and said, Hey, numbskull, why don't you get it? Why are you working against my son? Why are you working against the gospel message? And so God in irony, because God likes to do th- bring out irony in things, said, you know what, you a Jew that thinks you're so much better than the Gentiles, you're going to go and you're going to be my witness to the Gentiles. And that's what Paul did. You better believe that was uncomfortable for Paul. But he knew that's what God told him to do. And so he did it. And made sure he did it and was an example so that people couldn't say, well, yeah, you're saying we need to do this, but you're not really living it. He said, I've tried to live in such a way people can't call me a hypocrite. Not that any of us are perfect. Paul wasn't perfect. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. But here's the thing. God doesn't call us to be perfect. God calls us to be forgiven and to serve Him. And so God has a way of reminding us of these important truths. And so Paul was writing to the Corinthian church and writing to us today at First Real Baptist Church in Pearl to ask us, are you willing to serve the Lord with all your heart? Are you willing to do anything that God asks you to do? It's easy to say, but keep in mind, God may call you to scrub toilets. He may call you to weed flower beds. He may call you to go to people of a different economic stripe than what you are. He might call you to go and to serve others who don't even speak your language. Are you willing to go? You say, you know what, preacher, I, I, I want to, but I, don't, I, wouldn't say no, I wouldn't say yes. Then God has work in your heart that he needs to do. And you need to let him. And you say, Lord, no matter what, if you ask me to do anything, I'll do it. If you give me the ability to do it. And here's the thing, God doesn't ask us to do anything that he doesn't equip us to do. And he doesn't go with us to do. And so it is scary sometimes to do things. It's very unusual and unnatural for me to go into somebody's room who I didn't know was even who was in that room uh, and talk to them. And I did. And I'm glad I did. But when you say, you know what, God, I want to be yours, then God's going to give you opportunity to test that. Because he's going to give you stuff to do. Sometimes it'll be easy. But sometimes it'll be hard. Sometimes it'll be inconvenient. But even if it's hard, and this is what I found, and what many others in this room have found, is that when God asks you to do something inconvenient and hard, that's where you'll get the greatest blessing. When you've had to really go out of your comfort zone, you've had to really work at something, that's when God shows up and does the biggest thing. Let's pray again. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and your love to us. Lord, our prayer tonight is that you would search our hearts. And Lord, uh, we talked about service today. And Jesus, you were the greatest example of service the world has ever known, for you emptied yourself and became a man. 
and then gave your perfect sinless blood on a cross of Calvary that whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. And Lord, I pray if there's one here today in this room or watching on the internet, listening on a recording that doesn't know you, that today would be the day that they would trust you as Lord and Savior and they would receive that free gift. But Lord, there's many in this room, there's many watching and listening that have received that free gift of salvation. And Lord, now you're calling them, and maybe you've been calling them to serve you. And Lord, maybe they've been scared. Maybe they've tried to serve you in the past and it didn't go well, and so they're afraid, again, to, to fail. Lord, would you help them today say, Lord, I surrender. Lord, I don't want to miss out on your blessings because I was disobedient and I wasn't willing to cooperate with you. Lord, my prayer is that you would give each of us and give our church such malleable hearts and pliable hearts that in just a sweet, small whisper, we'd hear your voice and we'd obey. Lord, give us opportunities to impact our community and our world. Help us to be obedient to go when you've called us to go and do what you've called us to do. We pray in Jesus' name. Let's stand together and we're going to sing, Pass me not, O gentle Savior. And I tell you what, I don't want God's blessings to pass over me.